0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, June 10th, 2018. Women of the Bible, Hagar, God redeems. Good morning, Connection Church. That's a little more like it. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome to week two of our June series called Women of the Bible. This morning, our focus is on a lady by the name of Hagar.
1: And my name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And again, we do welcome you, whether you're right here on location at 100 West Green Street or you're joining us on Facebook Live. We're so glad to join you today and share about Hagar. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. It's no accident that anyone is here or listening or watching. And so, God, settle us in that we might glean something from this message from your scripture that we could apply to our lives and be changed and transformed into the person that you had in mind when you first thought of us. We give you this time in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody agreed and said,
0: amen. Amen. So in the 12th chapter of Genesis that's the first book of the Bible in the Old Testament God tells a guy named Abram to to leave his country his people and his father's household and to go to a land God will show him. We'll find out years later we call it the promised land and in return God will make Abram into a great nation. Will bless him and and make his name great and Abram will be a blessing to People all over the earth. Wow. Wow. And so Abram does exactly what God tells him. He, his wife, Sarai, and his nephew Lot, they they take everything they have and they set out for the land of Canaan.
1: Now the saga continues in chapter 13 of Genesis, as the Lord shows Abram the land that will belong to him and his offspring. Forever, And the Lord tells Abram that his offspring will be like the dust of the earth. Now just think about dust. You cannot count dust, can you? You cannot count those particles. And God says that if someone can count the dust, then they would be able to count his offspring.
0: Then in the 15th chapter of Genesis, the Lord Lord of the Lord once again comes to Abram. Realize this is chapters apart. This this isn't happening in a matter of days or weeks or even months. There's there's years involved here between these uh, these encounters between God and Abram here that we read about. Well, this time it comes in a vision. That's what we read. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, God says, your very great reward.
1: And Abram asks God what God can give him since he remains childless. This seems very odd, very curious to him, because he's only got his main servant, Eliezer, to inherit his vast estate. And that's when God responds that it is not Eliezer, but a son. A son, his very own son, will be the heir. And that his offspring, God says, God tells Abram that his offspring will be as numerous as the stars. Now think about going outside on a dark, clear night and looking up in the sky and seeing that vast array of stars. And that's what God says to him, that your offspring will be as numerous as the stars. And Abram trusts the Lord
0: so, this brings us to our Scripture lesson for this morning from Genesis chapter 16. We're starting at verse 1 here. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, and so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So, after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And so, Sarai, Abram's wife, she's tired of waiting for this promised child, for these offspring as numerous as the stars. I mean, come on, numerous as the stars. I don't even have one, she's thinking. Numerous is the stars. In that culture, at that time, uh, giving birth to children, especially male children, was a primary function, duty, whatever you want to call it, of a wife. And Sarah basically then had waited her whole life for a child. But especially from the time God first promised Abram when she was 65, and now she's 75. It's been 10 years. 10 years she's waited. She's waited for this promise to be fulfilled, and she's tired of waiting. Has ever happened to you? you ever get tired of waiting? I know I do. I, I get tired of waiting sometimes, especially when I'm waiting on God. It seems like He's got all the time in the world. Because he does. <laughs> and, and and so sometimes we get impatient. And so that happened to Sarai. And so she took matters into her own hands, devising a plan to bring a child into their family. Have have you ever been given a plan by God and then taken matters into your own hands? <laughs> I see some nods, and I hear some. <laughs> yeah. It usually doesn't work out well, does it? No, no, it's just, you know, the thing is, how can we possibly think that we can come up with a better plan than the one that created the universe? <laughs> I mean, you think about it, it's goofy, isn't it, for us to think that way, and yet that's where we go sometimes, and we try, and it doesn't work out well. Just, just as Sarah tried, and you're going to see it didn't work out so well for her either.
1: So Sarai's plan was for Hagar. Now, remember, Hagar was Sarai's Egyptian slave, her servant, her personal handmaiden. Her plan was for Hagar to be the surrogate mother of her child. Now, in these days, surrogacy is can be a really positive thing. And certainly, the surrogate mother has a choice to be a surrogate mother. And There's all kinds of technology and things that work in today's culture. But back then, it wasn't so. Back then, in this case, there was no choice. Sarai gave Hagar to Abram. Gave. It's like property. Here, in order to give them, a child. Now, I even feel uncomfortable talking about this because it is not, it's not pretty. It kind of puts a pit in my stomach, and so Sarai gave Hagar to her husband, and he slept with her, and I can't imagine it was necessarily a a good thing there, and Hagar conceived a child. In our prep for today, there is a Sermon written by Reverend Emily M.D. Scott, and she entitled her sermon, The Rape of Hagar. Hagar had no say in this matter. Hagar had no voice, and she had no choice. Abram and Sarai, they talked about her. They thought, what would they do with her? How could she serve them? No voice and no choice. It's all about Abram and Sarai. And she had absolutely no control over what would happen to her. And again, just this very thought is really uncomfortable to talk about. Hagar belonging to Sarai and forced in this situation. Wow. Now, there's a caveat to this, because in this particular culture way back when, this was somehow okay. This was okay, because if the woman of the house was unable to conceive a child, then she could get her handmaiden to uh, conceive. And then the woman of the house would consider that child her own. And so while Sarai's uh, proposal to Abram was culturally in line, it really still was a complete violation of Hagar.
0: Chapter 16, Genesis 4b through 6. When she Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And then Sarai said to Abram, you're responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Wow, Wow, I'm sorry, between, um, between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. And then Sarai mistreated Hagar. So she sl- so she fled from her. And so Hagar began to despise Sarai when she found out that she was pregnant. You think? Huh? I mean, is that a, should that surprise us? Come on, she's completely violated, as Carrie pre- pointed out. Bought used for the benefit of Sarai and Abraham. No voice, no choice. And somebody's talking to me between services. I only said, "But that's how it was in that culture. That's a okay. That's how it was. That doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't adjust Hagar's feelings, does it?" Just because something is considered okay or just because the culture thinks it doesn't necessarily take away the mistreatment, the ill feelings, the what it does to the person who's on the receiving end of a violation such as that. <laughs> and to top it off, now Sarai blames her husband, <laughs> I love this part, for what's happened, blaming him for her slave despising her, blaming him for the outcome of the bad plan that she devised. Abram throws it back to her, telling her it's her slave, her decision. And so, Scripture says she mistreats the one, and this is my talking here, the one who's already been severely mistreated. And as a result, Hagar runs away. can hardly blame her, can you? There's a certain note here that the name Hagar, I love these biblical names because they all are prophetic. I mean, she had, was given this name long before now, but her name means to flee one's country, to wander, to run, which is exactly what she does at this point. Isn't it incredible how messed up things can get when we undermine, when we circumvent, when we try to override God's plans, it, it, it just doesn't work out well, usually, does it? No.
1: The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your misery, of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers.
0: Don't you sometimes wish that God would just wave a big magic wand and make everything okay? And then we just sometimes wonder, God, you got the power. Why don't you just do that? Why don't you just make everything right? Generally not how it works, is it? (laughs) Probably part of that has to do with he gives us choice. (laughs) And we all too often choose poorly. Here's the challenge, though. What about when the people around us make the poor decisions that negatively affect us? Or maybe we make the poor decision that negatively affects somebody else, like what we're looking at this morning, Sarai and Hagar. Who can blame Hagar for running? (laughs) But here again, God doesn't magically fix it, does He? With a magic wand. Instead, God sends an angel to tell Hagar to return and submit to Sarah. Really? Really, God, you're telling me to go back to that situation, to that woman, and submit to her? Really? But God has a plan. And see, our challenge all too often, we don't get to know the whole plan. God sees so much out further, so much wider, so much deeper than we do. And so this plan, for whatever reason, that we might not see or Hagar couldn't see, had going back and submitting as part of it. What's interesting is he gives her the same promise, basically, that he gave Abram years before. Descendants too numerous to count. And it will all start with the baby that she's carrying right now. A boy whose name will be Ishmael. Which, by the way, this is awesome. Again, prophetic. Ishmael means God hears. God hears. Yeah. Of course, it will be wild. Don't give a man who will live in hostility toward all his brothers.
1: And so as Alan said, Hagar didn't have God's vision. She wasn't able to see the whole plan. And so she, was, she had a choice. She could either comply and submit or not. She could follow or not. Isn't it difficult sometimes to submit and follow? even when we know that God is behind it. Because sometimes those things are painful, they're uncomfortable, they move us from here to there. And we don't like that. (laughs) We don't like change. But we're here to say that when God says it, it would be important to submit. It would be important to comply, to follow. And in the case of Hagar, she did follow the angel's um, directive, and she returned to Sarai as as crazy as that sounds. And when I read this, it's like, oh, really? (laughs) And she ended up giving birth to a son just as was told to her, and his name was Ishmael, and he was named by his daddy, Abram, and Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born.
0: And he wasn't finished. (laughs) Chapter 17 of Genesis, the Lord again visits Abram and again tells him that he will be the father of many nations. He tells him that his wife Sarai will give birth to a son and he will be named Isaac and that the Lord would establish his covenant, his promise through Isaac. Abram asked God to bless Ishmael. I mean, he cares for this kid. It's his flesh and blood. And the Lord tells him that he will surely bless Ishmael, that he will greatly increase his numbers, and that he will be the father of 12 rulers, and the Lord will make a great nation through him, Ishmael. But his covenant, the promise he made with Abram many, many years before, is going to come through the descendants of Isaac. As a father of many nations, Abram's name changes to Abraham, from from meaning exalted father to meaning father of many. (laughs) And Sarai's name changes to Sarah, the meaning changing from princess of the household to princess of many nations. By the way, the name Isaac means he laughs. And that reflects the fact that both Abraham and Sarah laughed when the Lord told them that they would be parents at the age, ages 190, respectively. Laughed. I think I'd be crying. They were laughing. Just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying.
1: (laughs) So in chapter 1 of Genesis, chapter 21 of Genesis, we do see that Sarah has her baby. She gives birth to Isaac, and when Isaac is born, she goes to her husband Abraham and tells him to get rid of Hagar and Hagar's son Ishmael, not wanting this boy to share in the inheritance, in the family inheritance. And Abraham is distressed because, again, he cares for the child. It is his flesh and blood. But then God comes to Abraham and tells Abraham to listen to Sarah and it is through Isaac that God's promise would be carried out. It is through Isaac that the covenant would, would be. It would be with him and that God would make a great nation through his son Ishmael but also because he too is Abraham's son.
0: Mm. And so early the next morning Abraham takes food and water and gives them to Hagar, and, and sends her off with her son, and they wander into the desert. When the water runs out, she sets the boy under a bush and sits a little distance away. She doesn't watch, want to watch him because she's expecting him to die of starvation and thirst. And so as she sits there, she cries, and so does the boy.
1: He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt.
0: Mm. Isn't that a great story? But you know, it's not the end of the story. God did make Ishmael into a great nation. Just as later on, Isaac has a son Jacob, and Jacob is the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Ishmael has 12 sons, as God had promised, and and from those 12 sons there, we find the the Arab nations descending, according to many sources. I went on GodQuestions.org just to verify. And just as the Lord told Hagar that her son would be a wild donkey of a man and would be hostile, hostile toward everyone, we read there in Psalm 83, many years later, where David seeks God's help with the enemy, the enemy that wants to conspire against God's people, the enemy who wants to destroy Israel so that it is remembered no more, the enemy that is made up of an alliance of the Edomites, the Hagrites, and the Ishmaelites, the descendants of Ishmael, as well as others. And so from early on, the descendants of Ishmael, the Arabs, were in conflict with the descendants of Isaac, the descendants of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. And that conflict continues even till today, doesn't it? Thousands of years later. Wow. You know, again, it will always bring challenges when we take matters into our own hands, as Sarah did, instead of patiently waiting God's plan. It usually, it usually... (laughs) doesn't work out like we hoped yeah
1: so there's a couple takeaways today here's the first one even though Abraham and Sarah took matters into their own hands even though they took advantage and that's a very gentle way of saying this they took advantage of Hagar no voice and no choice for Hagar even though they really did go contrary to God's plan. God had it laid out, and they had a different way of doing it. They made a mess of things. Here's the thing. God redeemed the situation. God somehow turned that mess into something good. And Ishmael and Hagar, they were sent into the desert, and rather than starving and thirsting, To death, God provided for them, God cared for them, God delivered them from the situation, making Ishmael the father of many nations, the father of 12 tribes, the basis of the Arab nations.
0: You know, sometimes we look a whole lot like Abraham and Sarah ourselves, don't we? Impatient. Not willing to wait for God's plan to unfold on its own. Doing things, oh, I often think of that Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. How often do each of us sing that song with the way we live our lives? I did it my way rather than God's way. And as a result, sometimes we're pretty good at messing things up, aren't we? (laughs) I know I am. But here's the thing. Even when we mess things up, even when we do it my way rather than thy way, God loves me and God loves you. God loves us. Can't help it. (laughs) That's who he is. He loves us. Even when we try to go contrary to what God would have us do. Remember back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, They tried to do it their way. It was just one bite. They messed things up really, really good with just one bite, right? But even though they took the bite and messed things up, it was God who came according through the, walking through the garden in in the heat of the day. And they were hiding because now they knew they were naked. They knew they needed to hide because they knew they messed up. And God comes calling out to them, calling them by name Where are you? we were hiding because we knew we were naked. Who told you that? God says, wow. And then God does something he hadn't done before. God sacrificed an animal because it says he took the hide of an animal and gave them clothing. He, he, he covers their nakedness. He, and so in effect, covers their sin through the sacrifice of an animal. And then years later, God does the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. This time, sacrificing his one and only son, Jesus the Christ, again, to cover our sin. Not because we're worth it, but because that's who God is. Not because we deserved it, but because God redeems us through Jesus Christ.
1: Hagar, through no choice of her own, she was, it appeared that she had a hopeless future. It appeared that there was this not so good ending of the story and she was a victim. I mean, that's not a peer, that that is the fact. She cried for herself. She cried for her son. She cried out as she expected her son to die in the desert and yet, And yet, God brought life to her. God brought life to her son, feeding them, protecting them, caring for them. They found themselves in a pit, and God, and they were in that pit not because of their choice. And sometimes we end up in the pit because of our choices, but this was not their choice. But God redeemed their situation, God kept his promise as Abraham became the father of many nations, not only through Isaac, but through Ishmael as well.
0: Sometimes we end up in a bad place because of our choice, but then sometimes we're in a tough spot, a situation, because of the choice of somebody else, a choice other than our own. And when we find ourselves in that situation, I encourage you to remember this. It may seem like nobody cares. It seemed like, gosh, the world's against me. It seemed like everything, you know, I didn't do anything wrong and still I'm in this situation. Remember this above everything else. When you think nobody cares, God cares. God cares. God loves you and God cares. And here's the, here's the, the wild, crazy thing. God is able to take any situation, no matter how bad, no matter how painful, no matter how challenging, God is somehow able to somehow bring something good from the not-so-good situations that we at times find ourselves in, even the situations that were brought on us by somebody else's actions. And the reason that is is because god redeems god makes right what's wrong god redeems you god redeems me through his son jesus the christ yeah
1: that's the good news of the scripture let's believe it and let's live it amen amen Amen. let's pray almighty god this is a tough story in genesis and it's actually our story. Help us, God, submit and obey and help us remember that situations that we either find ourselves in or that we put ourselves in, that that you can make good. And And the way that you do that, God, is either rescuing us or always walking with us never leaving us nor forsaking us and Lord we just say thank you thank you for that promise that you are with us always to the end of the earth and you're with us always even when we mess up and so thank you thank you for your redemption that you traded your son's life for ours Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that covers us, redeems us, gives us a new name. Lord, we just want to honor you. I pray this in the redemptive name of the Father, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So. A lot of us have so much baggage, have so much stuff, have so much hurt, have so much pain. And God simply doesn't want us to hang on to it. And he made that known by bringing his son Jesus in the world to take it from us. And so we don't want you to leave heavy and full of baggage but full of the Lord and joy and peace that passes all understanding so as we conclude today with, with a song that's all about redeemed, being redeemed talk to God about what it is that you've come in with and, and just hand it over we're a prisoner to that and we don't have to, we can just shake off those chains You can do that from your seat. You can come up and pray on the steps. Mike and Maria are back in the prayer corner. They would love to pray with you. We pray that you'll leave here lighter than you came in. Let's worship the Lord.
0: Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church.